and welcome to the Black Mile Girl podcast. I am your host, Clary, and this week I watched The Devil's Candy, directed by Sean Bryan. The Devil's Candy is a 2015 horror film written and directed by Sean Bryan, who, if you are a fan of the genre, you would know from The Loved Ones 2009, which is one of my favorite movies. It absolutely traumatized me as a child, so I was very excited when this finally hit Shudder. This movie did release on IFC Midnight in 2017, but for me, it was like gone, lost in the wind, just like Piggy, and now I finally got to sit down and watch it, especially since I love the loved ones so much. I think Sean Bryan is very interesting because both of these movies have a very interesting take on father-daughter relationships. The loved ones I highly recommend, especially if you like gore and really interesting father-daughter dynamics, like I just said, but also if you like unhinged female characters. The Devil's Candy follows a struggling painter who is possessed by dark forces after him and his young family move into their dream home in rural Texas. This is a haunted house movie. Lately, I have been obsessed with haunted houses. I don't know what it is. Recently rewatched all of the Hell House movies. And I am currently in the middle of reading House of Leaves, which is kind of a haunted house, but not really. And I also stopped reading House of the Leaves to read Just Like Home, which is also like a kind of haunted house story, but I'm just really into modern takes on a haunted house. So The Devil's Candy fell into my lap at the perfect time. Just a warning from this point forward, there will be spoilers ahead because I am going to delve into everything that happens in The Devil's Candy. If you are somebody that enjoys movies being spoiled, then keep on going. If not, I will put the timestamps in the description so you know when to skip the spoilers to get to my actual review of the film. The incantation obviously being the voice of him that he was hearing earlier on in the movie that led to him playing his guitar so loud the whole time. There's also a quick scene of Jess and Astrid discussing how tight money is because Astrid is the only one with like a job in corporate America, not corporate America. She works at a salon and Jess is a painter and right now commissions aren't coming in as quickly as he wishes and as they need. Tell me about it. Jess also even admits the, the fact that the commissions that he's taking right now aren't exactly what he wants and that they are destroying his creative genius. As a painter myself, I get it. Let's move into the murder house for some inspiration. I understand. After that, we get a quick move-in montage as Conjunctivitis by Spiderbait plays repeating already dead over a family photo. I sure hope that doesn't mean anything ominous or telling later on in the film. Meanwhile, Ray is still shredding on his red flying V as loud as possible at the motel. A noise complaint makes him stop, right? The police come. They're like, hey, please be quiet so that I don't have to keep coming here or whatever. And Ray's like, I'll be quiet. But as they're having this discussion, the voice that he is hearing becomes louder and louder to the point where we can no longer hear the conversation between Ray and the officer. 
just the voice that he hears in his head. It doesn't take long for Jess to begin hearing the voices in the house. I feel like it's been like two days and my man is already captivated by this voice, but I also really love this scene or at least the shot of like him walking up the stairs when he first hears that voice and he's just like dead eye locked on the camera, just slowly walking up those steps. And then he like enters the room that the cross was in earlier or the crucifix was in while Ray was playing his guitar. And Jesse is like immediately inspired. He's like, you know what? Fuck the butterfly commission that I'm working on. I'm gonna go draw an upside down cross. Sometime later, Ray shows up to the house saying that he needs to come home. And Zoe, ignoring Stranger Danger, chats up with him and she's like, oh my gosh, I've always wanted a flying V um, because she has like a little tat on her arm. And he's like, I have one. Oh my gosh, we have so much in common. And obviously because he just lost his parents, at least that's what everybody is like assuming. Zoe and Astrid are like, we need to like be very kind to this man who's showing up to our house in the middle of the night talking about he needs to come home. But Jesse obviously angrily turns the man away. He's like, get the frick off of my property. Like, who are you and why are you talking to my little child? I mean, he doesn't say it like that, but that's like the gist of it. He kicks him off the property, threatening to call the police. Zoe is then mad at her dad that he turned him away like that, saying that he's always preached about her treating people with kindness and treating people the way that she wants to be treated. So already we are seeing the changes in Jesse happening. And in my opinion, it's barely been a week. Back at the motel, Ray watches a video about the devil saying how he isn't what we really think of when we think of the devil. He's not a red man with horns, but he is so much worse because he's just something that creeps into our lives and he latches onto the littlest bit of greed that we have and then he slithers into your soul. Someone call Doja Cat. But the next morning, as Jesse goes to bring Zoe to school, they find the flying V outside. And so Zoe, of course, is hype. She's like, oh my gosh, the guy left me the flying V. I'm so excited, I'm so excited. Can I keep this guitar? Her father, he's not so excited. He's like, no, I'm gonna get you a guitar for your birthday, like chill out. And she's like, it's not gonna be a flying V, so I really don't care what guitar you get me. After bringing her to school, Jesse goes to Belial, an art gallery, um, whose owner had turned him down off of his like portfolio before. He was like, I don't want this lame art. But then he shows the scan of the upside down cross and the receptionist at the front desk looks at it and she's like, oh, now this, this is what we're talking about. This is what we want here. Back home, Jesse begins to paint over his commission work and it's like this really creepy drawing of a screaming boy. And as he's painting this, we see Ray attacking the exact same boy, attacking and kidnapping the exact same boy on the painting. And due to the fact that the devil has already got a hold on Jesse, he lets time fly by for getting Zoe at school when it's only her second day. Like, this is what I mean by, like, it's only been a week. Like, the devil is working hard on this family. But Zoe uses this as an opportunity to guilt her father into letting her keep the guitar. Back at the motel, Ray kills the young boy just as Jesse is, like, finishing that painting or he's adding a little bit more to the screaming boy painting. And the images that he draws on there include a lot of children in terror, including his daughter. This brings a bit of distress to Jesse and a lot of distress to Astrid who walks in on him painting this. And she's like, get rid of this painting, destroy this painting. I don't want to see this. Our daughter is on fire in this painting. And as much as Jesse wants to not 
have this painting in his life and he wants to get rid of it. Something in him is stopping him from doing that, he says, and I quote that the children are inside of him and he has to do something about it, like he feels them in there. Ray goes to bury the boy, Jesse is having these weird visions as he tries to sleep of the children, so he goes to go destroy the painting, right? But he can't as the voices begin getting louder, forcing him to continue the painting, this time adding a large creature eating the children. As this goes down, Ray sneaks into Zoe's room, telling her that it was supposed to be her that he killed. Obviously, Zoe wakes up because this man is whispering directly into her face, not even like a hair away from her, right? So she wakes up, she starts screaming, this alerts her parents, but Ray still manages to flee. This whole encounter leaves Zoe feeling unsafe in the house, so she just wants to go to school the next morning. She absolutely doesn't want to be anywhere near the house anymore, but it also leaves Jesse even more unhinged than he was before, his visions becoming more intense and more clear. The next morning, as he drops Zoe to school, he gets a call from the art gallery owner, well, from the receptionist, and she's like, Leonard saw your painting, he loves it, he wants to check out the rest of your stuff. The issue is that Leonard wants to come see his paintings right when he has to come get his daughter from school. Leonard is like, I can come at two o'clock earliest, that's it, that's all I can do. Like I said, the devil works hard, right? So Leonard comes, he sees the painting, he's like, I love it, this is like a clear show of faith. You would love it, you literally work at an art gallery named Bilal. Get out of my face. Leonard tries to stop Jesse from being able to get his daughter on time, and he starts talking about sacrifice. He's like, nothing in life, you know, is worth any meaning without sacrifice. He even cheers him to sacrifice. So Jesse is like, no, this is absurd. I'm going to go get my daughter. So he hops in his car. He starts driving. But on the way there, he gets a flat tire. Nothing is going to stop this man from getting to his daughter. So he proceeds to run on foot to the school. But he's already too late and Zoe is missing. We then cut to Zoe laying on the motel floor covered in duct tape from her mouth all the way to her feet as chants play in the background and Ray stands over her calling her the sweetest candy and saying that he can no longer deny him and that he's gonna like kill her pretty much and give her to the devil as a sacrifice. But Ray leaves the bathroom and he doesn't know that Zoe is a final girl in the making so she is able to escape. The family is then reunited at the police station and Zoe reminds her father that he swore on her grave that he wouldn't forget her at school again. And I'm only laughing because the levels of pettiness to be like, I just got kidnapped. It's not even like pettiness. I don't know. It was hilarious that the first thing on her mind was like, you lied. Love that. I think she's now one of my favorite characters. I'm not even joking. Like a lot of movies get teenage girls wrong, but something about Zoe was perfect she was like 13 just full of anger immediately after being rescued after rescuing herself she was like you lied to me daddy you said you would pick me up at three and now look but it's revealed by the police that ray has a history of killing kids even when he himself was one which is why at the beginning of the movie his mother referred to like him going back to the psychiatric hospital because that is where he was because he had to kill kids in his words. He had to kill them as they were the devil's candy. They said the title of the movie. We all clap now. The police tell them that the best course of action would be for the family to enter witness protection. So they head home. The police are like, we're going to stay outside. Everything's going to be okay. You guys are going to like pack up, get to witness protection. So Jesse goes back to his studio and he's like looking at the painting and the devil is chanting at him, right? But he destroys the painting because... 
he is not going to sacrifice his family for fame and for power and art and for Leonard and for all this stuff because you know what according to TikTok this would be Doja Cat's autobiography. As Jesse is out back doing this we hear screaming coming from the front of the house because Ray is already back and he is killing the police officers he manages to get one of their guns before breaking into the house. This is also where we begin to see some of Jesse's visions coming true especially with like the red face of Ray walking up to the door and it's actually because the door has like this red stained glass window and of course the screaming Zoe that he was seeing is because Zoe is screaming in terror as Ray comes back to the house to get her. Ray gets in shooting Zoe's parents and dragging her out of the house but Astrid manages to drag herself from the room to the hall where she sees Ray carrying a gallon of gas ready to burn down the house which is another one of Jess's visions. Astrid then is able to wake up Jess, the two managing to get out of the house before Jess goes back in through Zoe's window using a ladder because he's not going to leave his daughter, okay? He already swore on her grave and fucked up once, he's not going to do it a second time. And he actually does manage to save his daughter as the room is on fire around them, beating Ray to death and then Zoe jumps through fire into her father's arms and then they're able to like get out of the house happily before Jess is then drawn to another part of the house where all the bodies are buried in the suitcases because as he said earlier in the movie he feels like the children are inside of him and they want to get out because they were calling to him the whole time. So he discovers the bodies, he looks up towards the heavens as the sun rises on his face, he smiles and tears well in his eyes before we are greeted with the end card the devil's candy and that is the film the devil's candy 2015 released 2017 and i gave the movie four stars it gets four because there were a few moments <laughs> towards the end where i was like this was a little bit corny but at the same time i won't lie i am a sucker for like good heartfelt family moments at the end as opposed to like the way that the black phone ended which i will forever <laughs> think about the movie gets four stars for me because it has great atmosphere, great editing. There's a lot of scenes that are meant to show you the parallels between Ray and Jess and how both of them are like succumbing to the devil in different ways because Jess is able to fight it because he actually like has something to live for versus Ray who completely gives into it. At least in the beginning of the movie he kills his mother and then his father shows up and we are to assume that he also kills his father before disappearing. I would give this movie a full four stars for the soundtrack alone. I am a little bit of a metal fan, just a smidge, so any movie that is able to seamlessly blend metal into the soundtrack I'm like okay you get my heart and this movie has metal all throughout because metal is the language of love, you know? Also because Jess, <laughs> Jess is a cool dad, so like we need to know that he's a cool dad. Not only does he paint, right? He has long hair and a beard. He's rocking out in the car with his kid. Like that is a cool dad. I also, of course, like I said, I love heartfelt family moments and this movie is full of it. I love the family dynamic. A lot of the times with movies that are surrounding the father and the daughter and like their relationship dynamic, they go out of their way to like make the mother kind of suck. It's either the mother has to be dead 
or she has to just like suck and oddly enough I just thought of two Joe Hill things two Joe Hill adaptions one of course being the black phone where the mother is dead the other being NOS 4A2 which I love that show but the mother was like framed in a way where she was like less <laughs> less likable than the father even though the father was like literally horrible so I love that this movie while the mother doesn't have a lot to do in it she's still there and she's still clearly a important part of the family dynamic she doesn't die halfway through and like that changes everything she's there she's like the heart of the family she's like kind of something that's holding not holding them together because they're like a great family on their own they have great dynamics on their own and like I said this is like loved ones in the way that it explores a father-daughter relationship and as a fan of loved ones something that stood out to me is that this explores a father-daughter relationship almost in an opposite way with the message or like the relationship being the same in both movies the father does a lot for the daughter and it's like meant to showcase how much they love the daughter throughout the film or the daughter character throughout the film but this one was a little bit more healthy and a little bit more natural um you could tell that it was about a father's love and what a father would do for his daughter their daughters in both movies that's what it's about but this one is more human even though the other film is more grounded this one definitely deals with like you know possession a haunted house the devil which are things that a lot of people don't see as grounded they're supernatural elements Whereas The Loved Ones is like a slasher film and it's just like a villain, two villains and a character and like it's way more in reality. But the relationship dynamic in this one feels more realistic than the other film. I also liked what I at least thought was one of the themes in the movie which was like sacrificing for fame and almost like losing yourself in the ideal of like I'm gonna get this I'm gonna become famous I'm gonna get this money we're gonna like have the life that we truly want and deserve because they start the movie out talking about how he really needs this commission so that they can get money and halfway through the movie he destroys that commission to create something that's darker and more evil but it's something that the industry ends up enjoying with the Bilal um, art gallery they end up really liking what he does there while they had ignored all his earlier work. So now all of a sudden when he's doing something dark and heavily influenced by the devil and evilness, they're like, wow, we love this. And he would have to sacrifice his family in order to gain that fame. But towards the end of the movie, he's like, I would rather have my family than have your little art gallery slot so he leaves instead of sacrificing that's also another reason that I didn't fully give it five stars is because I felt like a lot of it was like on the nose but it wasn't like horribly on the nose where I was like I can't watch this movie it was kind of just like pushing it like see see what happens it's the doja cat effect I can't stop talking about it because it couldn't have been like more perfectly timed <laughs> for me to watch this movie but those were my thoughts and opinions on The Devil's Candy 2015. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You could subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify and wherever else that you like to listen to your podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Black Final Girl, on Instagram at The Black Final Girl. And if you really feel like it, on Letterboxd as well, Black Final Girl, of course. And hopefully I will see you guys again with another episode next week.